Welcome to Pause to Consider, sometimes Talons and Beaks, with Alyssa Lakota, a registered veterinary nurse who works with wildlife and domestic species. Thanks for joining me for today's episode about snakes and snake bites, as promised per last week's episode. First, I do want to make you aware there are vaccines available to help protect against the toxicity from a venomous snake bite. They are perhaps more beneficial for smaller dogs, but talk to your veterinarian if you live in an area where snakes are plentiful. The first question to ask if you suspect your pet received a snake bite, did you see the snake? Can you identify what type of snake it is, whether it's venomous or not? Okay, let's start over. Did you see the snake? Let's say yes. Is it venomous? Let's say I don't know, or let's say yes. If possible, get a picture of the snake without getting you or your pet into any further danger. Otherwise, do your best to remember what it looked like so that you can describe it to your vet when you see them. And as per the last episode, I just want to remind you, if your pet has been bitten by a snake, do not run them down the hill, down the trail, or to wherever you're headed in order to expedite your visit to the vets. The blood that's pumping through their heart would then start working extra hard as a result of the running, and that will speed up the process of venom reaching their vital organs. Also avoid ice packs and tourniquets, and do not attempt to suck the venom out of the wound. That's only done in the movies. Next, proceed to the veterinarian's office where they can then evaluate the condition of your pet. And if you're able to carry your pet, please do so. And if not, again, just move calmly and quickly without too much exertion while paying close attention to symptoms that your pet could present, which includes dilated pupils, again, that's those enlarged looking pupils, trembling, shaking, twitching, bruising, puncture wounds, swelling, vocalizing, sudden weakness or collapse, vomiting and or diarrhea. Once you're at the veterinary hospital, the staff will likely check their airway and vitals, their heart rate, their respiratory rate, their blood pressure, mucous membranes, and their body temperature. They may provide some pain meds and something to keep your pet calm, depending upon their findings. They may run blood work, and this is all to determine if they are considered stable or unstable. If they are stable, they may want to run additional blood work and other tests, including CBC, serum chemistries, urinalysis, coagulation profiles, and more. And without going into all the nitty gritty of exactly what they're looking for in those tests, we're going to just focus on the outcome, the results of those tests that let them know if your pet is stable enough to go home or if they need to remain in the hospital or be transferred to another hospital. Let's first look at the scenario of their being stable enough to go home. That's the best outcome, and that's when they will clip and clean the area where the bite occurred, if possible, provide some pain meds and possibly some antibiotics if they're at risk of infection, and some additional instructions on how to monitor your pet yourself at home in case you need to visit an ER at a later time that day or later that night. Now let's backtrack and say in this scenario, they are not stable enough to go home. Your pet will then likely receive some fluid therapy, 
pain meds, antivenin, possible oxygen therapy, possible blood transfusion, possible intubation and ventilation, antibiotics, and more, all in an effort to save your pet's life. And there are many variables being taken into consideration when making these life-saving decisions. Are they young? old? Are they having seizures? Are they unresponsive to fluid therapy? Is their airway obstructed from swelling? There are so, so many considerations. Once stable, assuming they are able to stabilize your pet, are there signs of necrosis, which is dead or dying tissue, neurological issues, rapid swelling, muscle weakness, paralysis. So as you can see, or in this case here, Rapid deterioration is possible if not treated quickly. Now, hopefully the outcome was going to move from unstable to stable, enough so that your pet can go home with take-home instructions. If, after they've run all of the in-house tests and supportive care within their means, if your pet needs further attention, they may recommend an emergency hospital that's more equipped to handle your pet's specific needs. All right, you heard me say antivenin, sometimes called antivenom. Antivenin is designed to neutralize venom in order to save tissue, limbs, and life. It is administered if there's a moderate to high level of toxicity from a snake bite or sting, and it can make a drastic difference in your pet's health status. The location of the bite can also be of concern. You know, how close is it to the heart? Is the bite on the foot or on the nose? Oftentimes, pets get bitten on the nose, legs, or chest area because of their natural curiosity and excitement. And if antivenin is not administered and it's needed, your pet can suffer terribly. But antivenin is not cheap. Your medical bill could be somewhere around $2,500 or more. Each vial of antivenin is roughly $600. Now, as a result of the cost, most veterinarians will administer only what is actually needed. But as you can tell, there's also a lot of diagnostics potentially needed to determine not only the status or health of your pet, but whether or not antivenin is needed in the first place. Again, this is going back to those earlier diagnostics mentioned where we didn't go into all the nitty gritty of what they're looking for, but they're taking a look at blood cells and all sorts of other medical things to determine if your pet actually needs that antivenin or not. I will say roughly 80% of pets survive snake bites if they're treated right away. Now in the US, pit vipers and coral snakes are venomous. This includes rattlesnakes, copperheads, cottonmouths, and water moccasins. And right now where I live, there are a lot of rattlesnakes out and about, and we get pets visiting the animal hospital frequently enough as a result of tangling with one. Maybe you're wondering how to recognize a venomous snake. The shape of their head tends to be wide and pointy, triangular in shape, although non-venomous snakes can actually make their head appear triangular as a means of defense. Additionally, the eyes of a venomous snake are elliptical compared to the round eyes of a non-venomous snake. Also, a venomous snake has a pointy snout with a heat-sensing pit behind their nostril, whereas a non-venomous snake does not have a heat-sensing pit and their snout is rounded. Now, are you going to actually be close enough to check all of those things? I kind of hope not. But if you are, those are some of the identifiers. And again, a photo could make a difference. Pay attention to the color of the snake, whether there's a rattling sound or not. Use your best judgment. 
While venomous snakes can prove deadly at times here in the U.S., in some parts of the world, there is literally no time to react when a venomous snake strikes. Some are so dangerous, the outcome is surely death. In Australia, there's the inland and coastal Taipan. Death can occur within 45 minutes. The good news, however, is that there is an anti-venin available for Taipan bites that is highly effective. So get it before it's too late. You've probably heard of the black mamba in Africa. They can grow 10 feet in length. They are extremely aggressive and they can travel 12 miles per hour. If bitten, you can lose the ability to talk within 20 minutes. Within six hours, without the antivenin, death. Then there's the boom slang in Namibia, Botswana, Mozambique, and Swaziland of Africa. They can open their jaws 170 degrees in order to bite using their back fangs. Now, oftentimes there's no symptoms after one of their bites, at least for a while, and it can be assumed it was a dry bite, but don't assume that because by the time symptoms do present, it's too late. Internal bleeding is already occurring. Your blood cannot coagulate and you are literally bleeding to death internally. Even with an antivenin, you may need a complete blood transfusion to survive. I know I went off on a bit of a tangent there, but hopefully you found it fascinating as, as I did. So back to keeping our pets safe from venomous threats. Be diligent and keep a watchful eye out for snakes and other critters out there, especially by a crop of rocks or a pile of leaves. Keep pets on a leash in order to react quickly if they have the sudden impulse to pounce, chase, or sniff and nose around where they shouldn't. Consider the vaccine as a possible way of reducing symptoms from a snake bite. And if your pet is bitten by a snake, it is a good idea to call ahead to ensure that your vet actually has the antivenin on hand because not all hospitals carry it. Lastly, not all snakes that bite are venomous and not all venomous snakes that bite release their venom. There is something to be said about young venomous snakes. They tend to release all or most of their venom due to the lack of control they have. Um, baby snakes, they just prove to be more dangerous because they're learning. And adults can control how much venom they choose to release if they decide to release any at all. Again, they can have a dry bite. That is a warning. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed this episode of Pause to Consider, Sometimes Talons and Beaks. Until next time, tune in, tune out, just don't pass out.